This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late. And that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. And our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com slash KeepStock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Get gold finger today. Here's the scenario. You're injured in a collision and your insurance company is denying your claim. It happens far too often. If it happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. My team and I work for people just like you. We don't accept cases on behalf of insurance companies, so you and your family can make sure that you're in good hands. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk, and I'm here to detail for you the very disappointing loss the Raptors just had in Game 2 of the NBA Finals, 109-104 to the Golden State Warriors. So the series is now tied up 1-1. Going back to Oracle Arena, there's a Kevin Durant return that looks to be coming in either Game 3 or 4. It would be lucky... If he didn't return that soon, obviously, for the Raptors, the longer he's out, the better chance they have in the series. And if he remains out for the whole series, I think that they have a very, very good chance. And if he's back, it it becomes a lot tougher. Obviously, you can tell by the way the Raptors play defense. It's very important that the Warriors don't have that third guy who can really kill them when they play this aggressive brand of closeout scram defense. So... That looms large going forward, but for this game, they lost 109-104, and there's a lot of things to take away from this game. The first half, a lot of encouraging things. The Raptors, they did a decent job of attacking DeMarcus Cousins in the half-court offense. They did a decent job of opening that up for Kawhi Leonard and really making DeMarcus play defense out on the perimeter. That ended up not being as big a thing because Clay Thompson, 
started taking, started guarding, I should say, started guarding Kawhi Leonard afterwards, and Andre Iguodala was freed up to play help side defense along with Draymond Green, and that's that's pretty much where the game shifted. There's a lot to talk about in the first half. I know everybody is obviously upset about the whistle. The Warriors had, I think they were in the 99th percentile for playoff games in the history of the NBA as far as it goes when talking about um, free throws attempted, two field goals made. They were going to the line a lot. And it was, it did seem a bit unfortunate that when the Warriors seemed dead in the water and unable to create anything in the half court, that they were constantly being marched to the line. Also that that, you know... I guess, barrage of foul calls on the Raptors resulted in Kyle Lowry playing such a small amount of minutes and not being able to... He didn't. He played 27 minutes. This is a guy we're used to seeing play 38 to 42. He's the straw that stirs the drink for the Raptors. It's just... It's disappointing. And he ended up fouling out. Tough calls. Where the game was lost, definitely it sucks. The whistle is disappointing. For sure. It was given back a little bit to the Raptors in the second half. The Raptors had a decent whistle in the fourth quarter. They had that technical foul, and then they had other things go their way, which is worth pointing out, I suppose. The biggest thing that changed was that in the second half, and it started swinging this way in the second quarter, the Raptors didn't pay enough attention and weren't crisp enough with their offensive sets. What that allowed the Warriors to do was to start really honing in on a couple players that they wanted to focus on. That's why the Raptors, when they came out in the second half, the Warriors really had them pegged in. And the Raptors, they they weren't playing a very sharp brand of offense. So when they're creating looks, there are kind of those looks that we saw that Milwaukee created against Toronto where they're catching the ball a bit out of the shooting pocket and losing some time for it to become... You know, a semi-contested shot instead of an open shot or a contested shot instead of semi-contested. And that kind of dissuades the players from taking those open shots. They put it on the ground more. And when the Warriors took, you know, Andre Iguodala off of Kawhi Leonard and started hanging him off ball, same with Draymond Green, and they put Clay Thompson on Leonard, anytime people would attack be it pascal siakam who's terrific at the rim you probably saw quite a few times at during the game that when he was around the rim he couldn't even get the ball up it happened four or five times with Iguodala, draymond green hanging around in the midst deterring siakam from getting the ball up and that was that was a really big adjustment for the warriors to make it was good news for the warriors that Kawhi's playmaking out of those play types when he'd get trapped when they put Clay on him and then demanded a little bit more help from whoever was next to him in the lineup on the floor at the time, that Kawhi was kind of hesitant to play make out of that. We saw he was terrific playmaking in the first game. He was really good at finding Marcus All in the middle and then Marcus All working those four on three opportunities on the roll, building, you know, a decent offensive chunk off of getting good open shots off of those breakdowns. Kawhi was a lot slower dissecting the Warriors' defense in this one. And the result was that the Warriors started playing more and more and more aggressive on defense. And that was it was really tough for the Raptors to create against that. On the other side, the big thing that happened was the 18-0 run, it could be summed up as the Raptors were unable to score. 
the Warriors rarely had to take the basket out. They were able to jumpstart their transition far more often. And when in the first half they weren't able to create anything in the half court, they just avoided the half court for most of the start of the second half. When they avoided the half court, it's worth pointing out that they they scored well in transition, even like that pseudo transition where everybody's just kind of finding their man, just getting checked up. They run those split actions, and the split action is 100% just meant to destroy defenses that don't communicate well. The Raptors' defense was, you know, uncharacteristically bad at communicating. They had a couple breakdowns that were disappointing to see. The Warriors used Curry as a screener a lot. He had a ton of screen assists, and that that was because it's smart to use Curry as a screener because usually the screener gets open for a smidge after he sets the screen, but when Curry's in that position, do you fight over? Do you just switch the screen and add, you know, put somebody besides a Fred Van Vliet on Curry and allow him to run around, maybe a pin down, come off clean, something like that. Even though he's sick, he has that gravity. You really don't want to let him get loose in the half court or in transition. So when they were attacking players off of screens, they're a lot more hesitant, the Raptors that is, when they were trying to defend those play types and putting Curry in those positions was good. Secondly, when Curry had the ball, Something that was worth pointing out was Curry had the ball, and when Gasol would play his very, very aggressive brand of defense, well, the scheme that the Raptors were running, that he would come out and blitz above the break, having Andrew Bogut in. Gavon Looney obviously left the game, but one of Bogut or DeMarcus Cousins, instead of where in game one, the Warriors, when they would get those four-on-three possessions, when they when Curry would lob the ball over or find the guy on the roll, on those four and three possessions, they would swing the ball to the corners or above the break and try and cause some disruption there. Instead, this time, they were switching the screener a lot so that it didn't have to be one of Bogut or Cousins coming down on the roll and passing the ball, but someone else like Iguodala, or if Curry gets over top of the blitz, starts going downhill at the rim they they stopped going to the sidelines with the open shots and they started maneuvering themselves towards the rim and what that meant is we all saw a very annoying amount of lobs that were thrown up by curry and tapped in by one of draymond iggy bogut whoever right and that's because the warriors when they got going downhill that mean that or sorry that meant that gasol was left back behind them the Raptors had, you know, they, they didn't have enough size at the rim to defend those lobs. It was tough to negotiate the space in the middle between Curry and the lob threat. And the Warriors, for what it's worth, they took advantage of, of that mismatch for the Raptors. It's something that was, it was a really good adjustment to the Warriors scheme. It was a really good response to the Raptors defense. And that really helped them to, the transition got them that 18-0 run, but sustaining that lead over and keeping it around 10 was because of how they changed, how they were attacking out of the pick and roll. And the split action, they just had a lot more success with it in this game than in game one because the Raptors, their defense wasn't as good communicating. They weren't as agile off ball and they weren't as, you know, just disciplined. So there were a lot of breakdowns coming that way. And the Warriors, you know, Iguodala, evidenced by that last three he made, 
They just made more shots. Clay Thompson sustained them early on with that hot shooting start. And, man, things like that happen. It's it's tough. It's tough to look at that game and the Raptors. It looked like they had a chance. It looked like they could really... It looked like they could take that one, go up 2-0. It was there, especially after the first half. It was disappointing. And then, so, the end of the game, where the Raptors really, really clamped the Warriors and what they were doing, they took advantage of Klay Thompson's injury, and they decided to run the box in one. You know that you maintain the box. Fred VanVleet tracks Curry wherever he goes. And the Warriors couldn't really score against that because Van Vliet is very, very sticky on Curry. He plays terrific defense. And good for him for doing that, of course. And the Warriors, they had a lot of trouble scoring. It just ended up being that outside of Kawhi Leonard. And yes, Danny Green made that three at the end. But there just wasn't any shot making. The lack of shot making really, really doomed the Raptors because their defense was phenomenal down the stretch. They were afforded an opportunity with Clay Thompson out that they could play very aggressive and kind of ignore some of Golden State's so-so to below-average shooters. They could force them to take bad shots, and they can live with the results. That's what happened with Iguodala's last three. And Clay Thompson wasn't there to blow up the box in one and, and shoot you know a ton of triples and make a ton of triples. So they played really, really great defense for that last five-minute stretch. It just ended up being that they didn't, they didn't make shots. And that's where having Kyle Lowry foul out was really, really difficult. Because Kyle Lowry, he has his finger on the pulse of the game a lot of the time. It's like you saw when it was close against the Bucks, And Kawhi Leonard was out in Game 6. And Lowry, you know, they need a bucket. They need a bucket. And Lowry, instead of looking for a 3, instead of looking for that home run shot, which is what the Raptors kept doing sans Kawhi Leonard, is Lowry would drive into the paint and sh- shovel the ball off to Surge for a dunk. That just didn't happen. Van Vliet wasn't able to create the same types of shots as the primary creator, so they just went to Kawhi Leonard working in isolation or taking a screen and trying to work off of that, which he did fairly well, but he needs a little bit of a break. And outside of that, when the breakdowns came and the ball went beyond the three-point line and the Raptors, it came time to make the shots, they just weren't able to make them. And that was, it was backbreaking because the game was there for the Raptors to take. They definitely had a decent shot at it, but it just didn't end up happening. They go back to Oracle, and, you know, hope springs eternal, and there are things to... This this game was definitely very disappointing, because Game 1 was such a thoroughly satisfying game to watch. It was so enjoyable for the Raptors in that way, because they dominated from start to finish. They denied the Warriors that defining 18-0 run that comes and steals the game in the third quarter. The Raptors have been a good third third quarter team, it was disappointing that they gave that up, and it's always that's the most demoralizing part of being a basketball fan more than any other. Is basketball is a game of runs, and how do you not tear your hair out when your team allows 18 to go unanswered? That's that's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow, and it's just that's the Warriors for you. I mean, the Warriors they got on transition, and that's uh, that's how it happened. It's worth it's worth pointing out the. Uh, the antagonist, the Mitchell Robinson Award slash antagonist award 
for this game goes to Steph Curry for his grifty foul hunting. There was that one, I don't know if you guys watched the ABC broadcast or the TSN broadcast, but where Curry was just jumping into Pascal Siakam's lane and Steve Javi, the the referee or former referee who I guess they talk about calls with on TV and he sits in that little room wherever it is, Connecticut maybe, and he talks about, yeah, he's obtaining all of Siakam's space, jumping right into him. Curry, all game was pretty grifty. He's getting a lot of free throws and it's annoying to watch. I This is just me. I've never... I've liked Steph Curry's game. I just the antics. There's a lot of people who don't like Drake's antics, myself included. But it's just annoying to watch Steph Curry be the front runner that he is. You know, he's so jovial and such a goof on the court. And when he's front running, when they're up ahead, he's always showboating. But when they're down, it's like the whole world is against him. Things like that. And just having him do that in this game where the Raptors kept trying to push the boulder up the mountain. It just didn't come. It's a little bit annoying. And, of course, he's you know an MVP candidate, and he was one of the main reasons that the Raptors couldn't get back in this game because his screening and playmaking was so important to stabilizing the Warriors' half-court offense and jump-starting their transition offense that it was just... It seemed like he was the guy stopping it. And, yeah. But also a quick shout-out to DeMarcus Cousins. He, he played a good game. Turns out that the you know the Warriors signing an All NBA talent, having that guy in the finals, seems important. Who'd have thunk it, right? And the Reggie Evans Award for hustle goes to Fred VanVleet. Fred VanVleet's defense on Steph Curry was really, really terrific. I think it will continue to be over the length of the series. VanVleet, he was he was good making shots. There's playmaking left. You know, it left a lot to be desired, but that's that's not his role. It's not his fault that Kyle Lowry got fouled out. It's not his fault that he wasn't able to play off ball for the rest of the game. You know, it's he played his role to the best of his ability. He guarded the hell out of Steph Curry. He he took his shots and he made some tough ones. He hit some open ones. So good for him. And I hope we keep getting this version of Fred VanVleet because it's very encouraging. And it's so important for what the Raptors need to do. The top quick reaction comment is, win rap. I'm more concerned how they shut down Pascal in this game. Hope Nick Nurse finds a solution in the next game. Yeah, that's that's worth noting. And it's, it's like I suggested that having Iguodala and Draymond Green hanging back and playing him, like both at the same time as help defenders, is really, really tough for Pascal. It's the same thing that happened with Joel Embiid and one of Ben Simmons, one of Jimmy Butler, is having those guys to always come and hawk and get in to reach and try and strip the ball and then have Draymond, or sorry, then have Joel Embiid up top blocking it so that Siakam can't gather the same way. He can't be as, I guess, shifty in air because at the initial point of his jump or pickup, he's being defended. Then at the top, he's being defended. That didn't happen in game one. I wrote that big article about it where he's finding his spots in the half court because he's finding single coverage both outside of the paint and at the rim. That's important for what Pascal needs to do. In this game, they had Iguodala play that hawking role, play that help side role where he was making sure that at the pickup point, Siakam felt him and then Green was at the 
at the rim made sure that Siakam felt him, and it was just tough. It was very, very crowded for Siakam in this game. There should be a decent response going into Game 3. Here's to hoping, and I think that Siakam is more than capable. He's a great player, and he can figure it out. Iguodala and Draymond Green is not the same as Giannis and Brook Lopez as far as length. There will be better players playing more of the game. That's Kyle Lowry. Probably won't play 27 minutes in Game 3. It'll be longer. And hopefully, Marcus Gasol will take more shots and make more shots in, in Game 3 as well. That's the Reaction Podcast for you. And uh, I hope you have a, a blessed morning if you're listening there. A blessed night if you're listening uh, now. Whenever you get around to it. Stay blessed and goodbye. The Drinkworks Home Bar by Keurig is the perfect start to set any holiday vibe. The Home Bar makes over 30 cocktails, brews, ciders, and more, all at the push of a button. From cosmopolitans to old fashions, each pod contains real ingredients and premium spirits. Insert the pod and let the Home Bar do the work. Go to drinkworks.com to order your Home Bar and see all available drinks. Drinkworks. Press play. Keurig is a registered trademark of Keurig Green Mountain, Inc., used under license. Please enjoy responsibly. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call. Click Ranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.